Hi, this is Dr. Shanitra Cuthbertson, and this is the Amaze One Podcast. This podcast aims to strengthen your faith and edify your soul. Walk with us as we walk with the one on the Amaze Road. Enjoy this week's message. Conform to the image of Christ. And it's not so much God, it is the image that you created from the beginning. It is the image that you saw in the Garden of Eden. God, you are getting us back to what you made us to be in the first place. So wrap us in your arms, God, because we are frail, Lord God, because we are weak, Lord God, because we are flawed, Lord God. Wrap us in your arms, God. We are grieving, hurting, broken, Lord God. Wrap us in your arms, God. Hold us, Jesus. Hold us, God. Hold us, God. We're already a little bit off program anyway, so I don't know what you are going through this morning. I don't know what you need this morning. But God does. And he'll wrap you in his arms. He'll wrap whatever it is up. Within the awesomeness of his presence, he will cover you and keep you. God, we thank you. Teach us this morning, God. Holy Spirit, teach us so that we can hear from you. You can stand for just the first reading. Then I have a bunch of scriptures. The first reading is going to come from Genesis. Genesis 25 and 23, and we are entering into a conversation with the Lord and Rebecca, and the Lord said to her, he said, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are in a series that's titled Face to Face, And one of the things that we have been discussing at the beginning of this year is that God wants to indeed, as the song said, to draw us closer to himself. And it's not so much that that God needs that. We need that. We have to be closer to him. We have to be closer to him. And so one of the things with this series is that I began, you guys, while um, while we had all those good preachers in January, I was looking into the idea of being face-to-face with God, and we talked about last week there are only a few instances in the Bible where the Bible says that there's a face-to-face encounter with God, or the, 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 the person would say something like, oh, I've seen the angel of the Lord face-to-face. The whole idea of this sermon series is intimacy with God. He wants us closer to him, and the way that he does that is quite intriguing at times. Last week we talked about Gideon and you know, Gideon wasn't quite the best hero to begin with when the angel of the Lord appeared to him this week. We are talking about good old Jacob and I like Jacob. And so what I'm doing with this sermon, what I do a lot of the times is that I bring you into my preparation room and I bring you into my studies and I show you some of the wrestlings that I have um, with the text. So with Jacob, And we know Jacob is special. Many times when God would announce who he was, he'd say he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
So we know that, that, that he's pretty important. But Jacob is an interesting man. And so I went to the beginning. I went to when he was in the womb. And the Bible says that the Lord told Rebecca. She didn't even know she's pregnant with twins. She was trying to figure out why her pregnancy was going that way. And the Lord told her, there's two nations in your womb. And the Lord pronounced, before Jacob even hit the earth, before anything happens, the Lord pronounced. He told Rebecca. He said, one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Jacob has not even appeared yet, but the Lord has pronounced that the older will serve the younger. When these boys proceeded to come out of the womb, they, I guess, fought so much in the womb that they wrestled on the way out, trying to say he's going to get out first. And the Bible says that Esau, which is Jacob's brother, his twin brother, that Esau got out first, but that Jacob grabbed his heel. And that's where his name comes from. It's called heel catcher. But it's not a positive thing, the name Jacob. And we're going to see how that plays out in his life. But just spoiler alert, obviously, Jacob has a face-to-face encounter with God. And I paid attention to how Jacob responded to God and, and the things he, he did with God. But I also was a little, to be honest, Jacob's life confounded me just a little bit. I was a little bit uncomfortable with Jacob because if y'all know me, I like stuff to be right and I like it to be lined up and I like the T's cross and the I's dotted and the period at the end, unless I forget the period at the end. But I like stuff to be lined up. And so when I read these biblical um, figures, I like for them to be like their life messed up, then they met God, then they got right, then they went on and became the most glorious thing ever. However, Jacob does not fit into this box. And so he made me a little bit uncomfortable because if you know anything about Jacob, he is a deceiver. He is a schemer. He is a liar. And I, I wanted it to be like, okay, he was a liar. Then he stopped lying, got with God, everything was good. Not so much. Um, Jacob came out. He is a second born. Therefore, Esau has the birthright. That means he gets a double portion. Esau has the right to the blessing from his father upon his deathbed. Esau is the firstborn, and he has the rights. And so Jacob spent a lifetime, obviously, in envy of this fact. And so Jacob schemed and prepared a meal. And although his brother didn't really care about the birthright the way he should, Jacob shouldn't have been scheming on it. And so Jacob tells him, give me the birthright for something to eat. And and Esau thinks so little of it that he does it. But it goes beyond that. When their father hit his deathbed, or what he thought was his deathbed. And he said, it's time for me to bless y'all. And he told Esau, Esau, go get some game, prepare a meal for me so that I can bless you. And in Judaism, this blessing is really important. This blessing is so important that that it couldn't be taken back. This blessing is a big deal. And so while Esau goes to do what his father told him to do, Rebecca overheard this, and here comes our main man, Jacob. There is power with being the firstborn. There is wealth with being the firstborn because you get a double portion. And Jacob decided that he wanted this power and this wealth, and his mother helped him do it. And so Jacob goes and dresses up like his brother, if you don't know this story. And Jacob goes to his father. He pretends to be his brother so that he can steal 
the blessing. And I was just, he makes me uncomfortable because when I think about the level of Jacob's scheming, it's just, it makes you uncomfortable. If your father is on his deathbed, why would you waste your time instead of saying goodbye, going to him with a lie, deceiving him into getting something that is seemingly not yours? Your father's on his deathbed and you decide to go to him with lies. And his mother presented the lie first, so we can see, you know, obviously it's a little generational thing going on here. But he didn't say, no, mama, daddy's sick. Um, we can't do that to him. When she presented the plan, Jacob's response was, nah, that won't work. Because, you know, Esau real hairy and he stinks. Um, I'm smooth and, you know, I cook. Um, so that won't work. And she said, no, just put on his clothes. And so him and his mother schemed together to deceive his father on his deathbed. And so he comes into him, and this is where we're going to come into Genesis 27. But Isaac asked him, because Jacob is pretending to be his brother. Isaac asked him, well, no, I'm sorry, Isaac, this is after the conversation. Isaac has stolen the blessing, and so Esau comes back. But Isaac asked him, who are you? And Esau said, it's your son, your firstborn son, Esau. And it says that Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably because Esau, because I, um, Jacob has just come in and pretended to be him, and he has pronounced a blessing over him. And Esau comes back, and when Isaac realizes that his son has deceived him and caused him to pronounce a blessing over the wrong son seemingly, it says he started to tremble uncontrollably that he has put his daddy in such a condition on his sick bed that Isaac can't even control his shaking. He's been deceived to the point that he's like, I don't even know what just happened. I don't know what to do. I thought it didn't smell like Esau, but I mean, it sounded like Esau, but it smelled like him and it felt like him. And he's shaking uncontrollably. And he said, then who just served me wild game? Who just bought me some food? Because I've already eaten it and I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. And when Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Jacob on his father's sickbed has just created a family rift that is so big that his brother is crying out. His daddy is visibly bodily shaking. Why? Because he wanted the birthright and the blessing. And he says, oh, my father, Esau says, what about me? Bless me, too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here, and he tricked me. He has taken your blessing. And Esau exclaimed, verse 36, which is one of the biggest ones I was sitting with this week. Esau said, no wonder his name is Jacob. No wonder his name is Hillcatcher. No wonder he has been described and named as a deceiver. No wonder that's his name because he's cheated me twice now. First, he took my rights as the firstborn. Although if you insert a little asterisk there, you did sell it for that bowl of chili. So he's just a little mad right now. First, he took my right as the firstborn. And now he has stolen the blessing. 
Esau says, oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? And I was confused by this because it was like, man, Jacob just got some terrible character, man. Jacob has some terrible character all in and through a lot of the Bible. But in verse, in Genesis 25, the Lord pronounced before Jacob was born that the younger would serve the older. So now I'm a little bit, I'm wondering, because I always wondered, I said, did, did Rebecca scheme like that because she knew what the Lord told her? But why would you ever have to take what the Lord told you and bring it into sin? So that doesn't work. Because why? Well, she doesn't need to sin for the proclamation of the Lord to come to pass, but she did. And I thought maybe she knew something that they, you know, maybe that's why she favored Jacob. But then when I look back at it, no, she just wrong. And Jacob just wrong. And that's when I realized this whole time I've been uncomfortable with Jacob because I was looking at the wrong thing. Instead of looking at Jacob and his character, I should have been looking at God. Because this story says something about God. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that later. So Jacob, when, when, when Esau, you know, after he finished crying and all this other stuff, Esau made a plan. He said, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to wait till my daddy pass on, and I'm going to kill him. And I think he was serious. Um, and Rebe Rebecca heard about that, and she said, you know what, Jacob, I think you need to go. Uh, we want to save your life. So she sends him to her brother Laban. And the excuse that they say, they say he's looking for a wife, so we're going to send him away. But the real reason they sent him away is because they were scared that Esau was going to kill him. So he has a rift so big in his family. Could you imagine causing problems like this on somebody's deathbed, on a patriarch's deathbed? So not only is there a rift and he's blessed the wrong child, he feels. Now one of them, they say it's for a wife, but he's not even here anymore. And he leaves with nothing. Jacob leaves with nothing but Jacob goes to a place, and Jacob falls asleep. And for some odd reason, he starts to see a vision. And the vision is of a ladder, or some people say a staircase. And on the staircase, he sees angels descending and ascending and descending and ascending. And when Jacob wakes up, he says, I, did I not even know that the Lord was here? And he named the place Bethel. And I was just like, he's leaving because he wronged his brother, but God still gives him a vision. It seemingly does not make any sense until I started to look at it a little bit more. When God pronounces something over you, when God says something about your life, the truth of the matter is that the, the word is not void and it will not return void. Jacob was special from the beginning. His character was terrible. And the thing about walking with God, as we're talking about face-to-face -face in this encounter, is that it's almost like a, a, a three-little-stool prong. Well, that one don't work for me. Um, because you have to have the power of God, and you have to have the character of God, and you have to have the word of God. And all those things need to work together so you can stand on what God has made you to be and Jacob doesn't have the character part yet but God is so faithful that he's going to stay 
with him through it. And I wondered why, like, why, God, why him? And then as I started to look a little bit more, I realized something about Jacob that I never realized before. That although he was a schemer and although he tore up his family, Jacob responds to God. Jacob responds to God. Whenever God presented himself to Jacob, Jacob responded accordingly. One of the things we learned about Gideon last week is that when the angel of the Lord shows up, that Gideon doesn't have the right response initially. Jacob, although he is a schemer, knows how to respond. So Jacob, at another instance, is left alone, Genesis 32. And the Bible says that then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled him until the breaking of day. Jacob sent his family over, were speeding up in his life, and Jacob was left alone in this moment. And it says a man, but whether it was a man or an angel, it wasn't a man like we know. If you pay attention to your Bible, that man is capitalized And some people call it wrestling with God. And it says, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, when he saw, when the man or the angel or when whatever he's wrestling with saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You can stay right there for a second. Jacob knows how to respond to God. He wrestled with him. Here is my challenge to all of us. Are we even willing to wrestle with God? Jacob although he has some of the worst character in the Bible initially. Jacob has also some of the best responses that we have seen. He wrestles with God. When presented with the presence of God or the presence of an angel of God, Jacob will not let go. Jacob is in such a wrestling that I will, I will strive and I will hold on to everything that you're presenting to me here. I won't waste this moment. And I think that's the secret about him. He's not going to waste the moment. Jacob doesn't waste the presence of God and his character and all those flaws that he had are out the window right now. Because when he gets in the presence of God, Jacob knows how to go after him. Jacob knows how to wrestle with him. And it said that Jacob was wrestling with the angel of the Lord or with God so much that it seemed like that he would not prevail so much so that he had to touch his hip and he touches his hip and the hip goes out of socket and so when Jacob leaves this place he is actually limping he is limping and at this point he's starting to never become the same again give me the first photo I like this one um, one because Jacob really looked Jewish. Um, <laughs> he really did. Um, but I like it because when you think about the presence of God, when you think about getting closer to God, as the song was saying, are you willing to wrestle? Are you willing to wrestle? Are you willing to wrestle? Because I guarantee you that as Jacob is wrestling, some of that stuff that's in him, that's not right, is starting to fall off. 
the Bible says that when you refine the silver, that the dross comes to the top and then you move it away. This is refinement here. This is refinement. Jacob is wrestling to the point that the things in him that are not like God will come up and move based on the fact that he's willing to wrestle God alone. He's willing to wrestle God. Are you willing to wrestle God? Go give me the next picture because um, I get very practical sometime when I read. I like this one. I imagine Jacob like this. All in the air and stuff. Are you even remotely close to being entangled with the spirit of God in this way? I'm not going to let you go. Jacob said, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. So much so that verse 32, 29. Chapter 32, 29. He says, um, Jacob says, tell me your name, I pray. And the angel or God or whatever you want to call it says, he said, why is it that you ask about my name? Why are you asking about Jacob? Because like, no, who are, tell me your name. And he didn't give him a name. But he blessed him. It's so funny because Jacob wanted to scheme for a blessing that seemingly was not his. When the truth of the matter is, before Jacob even was born, God had pronounced a certain level of blessing over his life. So all the deception, all the lies, all the trying to manipulate and maneuver his own way, all of it was unnecessary because God had already pronounced something over this man. And when he finally gets there, he wrestles. And he does not waste the opportunity. He, he wrestles and he is blessed by the angel there. And he calls the place Bethel because he said, for I have seen God face to face. And my life has been preserved. But when he got up, he had a little limp. He had a limp. Something changes. When be, I guarantee you that every time that Jacob just walked, he just, instead of being in pain or being mad about having a limp now, he just remembered when he was wrestling with God. He just remembered when he was, he's stepping, but he's like, I step like this because I wrestle with God. Y'all can run, but I step like this because I've been with him. And so Jacob has seen God face to face, so he says. And I still wonder, like, man, God, but you gave this man such a great opportunity. Why did you do that? And this week I was in Psalms 89, and I was reading about how God felt about David. And I likened it to Jacob. And I never read this before, and I hope it blesses you too. I never read it like this. The Lord says, nevertheless, my loving kindness, I will not utterly take from him, nor my f allow my faithfulness to fail. I had to stay right there for a long time. I will not allow my faithfulness to fail. Jacob, deceiver, from the womb, tearing up families, being a deceiver even after he is married with kids to an extent. When Jacob, matter of fact, Jacob feels like he's going to run back into Esau later on. And Jacob's like, he might still want to kill me. It's almost 20 years later. He's like, he might still want to kill me. And so Jacob got wives and children. And so this is what Jacob does. He says, so when we, because God told him to go home. And he, he said, we're going to go that way. But I'm going to put my concubines and her kids right here. 
and then I'm gonna put the other concubine, yeah, too, and her kids right here, and then I'm gonna put Leah, y'all know how I felt about Leah, I'm gonna put Leah and her kids right here, and Rachel, who is dear to his heart, we're gonna put her at the back, right, and I'm gonna get behind them, and so if Esau wanna attack somebody at the front, the other ones might be able to leave. I remember the first time I read it, I was like, what kind of father is, <laughs> you gonna put the kids of the woman you don't, you don't feel that deep for at the front? He's not the greatest character. But God said, my faithfulness won't fail. He said, I won't allow it. I won't allow my faithfulness to fail. So yes, Jacob, you have bad character. You are under the condition of sin. And truth be told, although your line is blessed, your father Abraham told a lie at one point. Your father Isaac told a lie at one point. So some of your generational character flaws that came with the blessing, I understand them. Nonetheless, I will not allow my faithfulness to fail. In the beginning, said that the younger would um, be over the older. God always knew it would be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, I won't allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. From birth, Jacob was blessed. From birth, Jacob was blessed, and God was not going to allow his faithfulness to fail. And I got it then. I got it. He's talking about David, but I replied it to Jacob because it helped me understand something about God. He also said, once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. And he's not a respecter of persons. So once he has sworn, his faithfulness will not be allowed to fail, and he won't lie. The Bible says he's not a man that he should lie. This is why Jacob was granted the grace to act the way that he did and yet become the man that he would. Because later on, the Bible says he's going to have another visitation. And at this visitation, it says the angel is going to change his name. It's going to change his name because God will not allow his faithfulness to fail. And Jacob goes on to become a great man. And he goes through a lot. But one of the things as I was studying that came to me as well is that although he had bad character in the, in the beginning, when this man wrestles with God, something happens. And I wonder how and why and how deeply that happened. And I went to Luke 7, and I'm going to hear from Jesus for just a second. And in Luke 7, Jesus turned to the woman and to said to Simeon, because this woman has just anointed his feet and said, do you see this woman? He said, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her, the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. This is Jesus speaking. He said, you did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. And this is what's going to help us understand Jacob. He says, therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she has loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, that same loves little. And if you've ever read that scripture before, we tend to teach it in reverse. We teach it as the more grace God has allowed you to taste, 
the more sinful, deceitful, Jacob-like you have ever been. When he comes and forgives you, the Bible indicates that you love more. You love more. So now I can start to understand Jacob, that as low as he went in himself and the, the, the badness of his character was also the same depth that he took in his love for God. Jacob loved much because Jacob was forgiven of much. And he said to him, verse 35, and I'm, I'm done. I'm going to pray. Verse 35, and I mean, chapter 35, verse 10, he finally tells him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. So he called his name Israel. It is why we call them the children of Israel. It is why we call them Israelites. Jacob's name is so important. We get the 12 tribes from Jacob. This man is important. And although he was a deceitful, God was faithful to what he, what he called him to be. And when called upon, Jacob responded. I said a lot about Jacob today. What's the point for you? Here's the point. Here's what I want you to take home. The faithfulness of God will never fail. He's never going to fail. The opportunity for us to go deeper in him, the opportunity for a name change is available right now. It's available right now. The grace of God will not fail. The grace of God will not fail. The grace of God will not fail. Our character seemingly at times seems to fail. The grace of God will not fail. And this is why we have to walk with mercy. The Bible says, what does he require? To love justice, to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. This is why you have to love mercy. Because at any given time, the God that you serve will take the person that you think has the worst character in the world. And he will move them in an instant and change their name. And that same person could also at any time be you. So we walk with mercy because we serve a God that is faithful and his faithfulness will never be allowed to fail. It will never be allowed to fail. So God, we pray today that our eyes would begin, one, to look to God for a face-to-face encounter, the kind that changes us, but also that as we look out at our neighbors, that we would understand why we need to love mercy. Amen. Let's pray. God, we bless you today. God, I thank you for your word. I pray that if we didn't hear anything today, that we heard that God, your faithfulness will never be allowed to fail. Your faithfulness will never be allowed to fail. You declared Jacob a great man from the womb. You knew where the 12 tribes of Israel would come from. You knew how you would bless him. You knew that you would be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, we pray today over ourselves that we would remember that your faithfulness does not fail, but that we would also remember you are not a God that leaves us in the same positions. You wrestle with us. You wrestle with us and you refine us until we reflect what you declared in the beginning. We thank you for learning from Jacob. We thank you 
for the flaws that are present and clear. We thank you more that his witness is ultimately that he responded to you. His witness is that he wrestled with you. His witness is that he was blessed by you. God, his witness is that grace and love covered a multitude of sin. God, there is nothing that can separate us from your love. Nothing. Jacob has shown us that. Nothing can separate us from what you've declared in the beginning. God, let us remember this week. Your faithfulness does not fail. Let it inspire us to stay the course and wrestle with you to things that are not like you are wrestled out of us. Let us wrestle with you into wounds and traumas and disappointments and heartbreaks are healed and wrestled out of us. Let us wrestle until you bless us. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe and share. We would like to take this moment to thank our mission partners for your continued support of the Emmaus Ministries. If you would like to become a partner of Emmaus Ministries, visit us at www.emmaus1.org. God bless, and we'll see you next week on the Emmaus Road.